Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. So head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device and make your first sports bet. Now, listen to this they are going to give you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code Believe50. That's B L E A V 50. Bet Online, where the game starts. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. I'm Taylor Davis. My co-host Jason Campbell joins me now. We are here to talk everything in and around Auburn athletics, and it is officially week five, I guess. I'm losing track already. It is far too early for me to be losing track. Here we go. Week five of college football season, and the Tigers head into the fifth and final home game of this initial stretch of season and are coming off a win question mark (laughs) coming off a win you know on the scoreboard morally I'm not entirely sure and so Jay and I are going to talk about it all break it down for you and get you geared up for what's affectionately been called the Tiger Bowl as of the last few years LSU heads to town Jason obviously is our boots on the ground in Auburn getting a to go over to all the home games and and cover the Tigers so he can certainly speak to this week a lot better than I can but you know, Jay, I think um, coming off the Penn State game, there were a lot of of concerns, a lot of question marks, a lot of frustration. Let's let's just be frank. You and I had a, a very open and honest episode last week that I actually got a lot of good feedback. I think it was received very well, our our stance on things and just the, the current status of the program. So if you missed last week, I would encourage you to go back because I think a lot of our sentiments are still valid heading into this week. But if we're just looking at this Mizzou game, obviously a 17-14 win over the Missouri Tigers in overtime, you know, you've got your 1-0 and in SEC play, but there is more on film to correct than to, you know, feel like you can you can check the box just yet. It's almost like Auburn ended in a tie. You ever been part of a tie in a game um, yeah. where you feel like, did I win? Mm-hmm. And but I really don't feel like I lost. You just kind of like in and just in Wonderland. You yeah. know, you just you just feel like just a weird space. And that's yep. what it kind of felt like after that game on Saturday. Uh when you think about watching the game and Auburn came out hot start, jumped right on them. You know, we hadn't created a turnover on defense all year, and all of a sudden we created a turnover with the Derrick Hall interception and then oh. You know, it helps set up a short field for the offense. Then we go in, we score another touchdown. Now we're up 14 to zero. You're like, okay, here we go. You know, Penn State game, those first two drives were three points. And you saw how that came back and bit us uh, later in the game. But when you think about this game, we get up 14 zero and we got the momentum and we're rolling. And then it seemed like all of a sudden, everything in the second quarter went total opposite in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And it almost like we reverted back to the second half of the Penn State game. And then we go in at the half and we do the same thing this week. We get the ball to start the second half and we three and out. And then we end up punting. And, you know, so 
it ended up being a punting fest pretty much for the whole second half of both teams. And then all of a sudden, you know, Auburn had a chance to win it in regulation. They didn't do it. And then Missouri had a chance to win it in regulation. They missed a chip shot field goal. And then you're like, wow. And then we get into overtime and, you know, we had a tight end kind of open for a touchdown and we miss him by a yard. And then we end up getting a chance to kick a field goal and, go up by three. I'm just like, oh my goodness, like a roller coaster. And then all of a sudden Missouri gets the ball. At this time, like we scored three. So you're still not just fully confident that we can hold on to this thing. Or you don't know if they're going to get a field goal and send it overtime or they're going to score. And then you see the guy breaks through the line of scrimmage and he's going towards touchdown. You just like, oh boy, this is about to be a week of, you know what? And then all of a sudden, boom, the ball just goes rolling out. This is Jordan Hare. Weird things always happen in this stadium. <laughs> sure. And another one happens happened for Auburn. And I tell you what, I take this victory way over than that loss because when you talk about getting ready for an LSU game, you need all the energy and excitement around this game as you can possibly pull up. Because coming in a loss into this game, the, all the talk would have been about the coaching staff and all If this. we would have yeah. even had the same coach. Let's, <laughs> right. let's be you honest. Know, so... I'm just glad we was able to pull that out and get ready for a night game with a crazy atmosphere this Saturday. I, same, same. And I, I definitely think that this week, heck, even today, it's Tuesday. I think that you and I would be having very different conversations on this podcast had we lost on Saturday. So, yes, it does afford them the opportunity to have a week as normal to only have one loss on the season so far and get you know, hype for an LSU game that is always exciting. I don't care what external circumstances are prevalent. The LSU-Auburn matchup has become, you know, synonymous with something crazy happening or some pivotal moment in season. I think looking at this season before it got started, we absolutely pinpointed Penn State as a pivotal moment for the season. But if we were talking conference play, it was LSU because – Truth be told, next week we head to Athens, and uh, you know I'm not entirely sure that expectations will be as high as they are against this LSU matchup at home. I think that it sets us up for what could be a really, really big win, and you don't feel like you got that against Missouri. And, and I think more than anything, you look at the offensive side of the ball. This is not an efficient offense. It's not an effective offense. It, it looks very disheveled, and that is going to be – near impossible to overcome when you face some of the defenses that we've got coming down the stretch. LSU being one of them. LSU is the number 11 ranked defense in the nation right now. Is our defense stepping up? Absolutely. I want to get into some numbers from this past week, but offensively, I'm concerned and I'm concerned what our plan is here. I'm concerned what is being worked on because it doesn't seem like there was much progress from Penn state to Missouri at all. Um, I understand that, you know, the offensive line has certainly had to, you know, deal with some shuffle and that's going to continue this week. Unfortunately, coach Harson announced yesterday that center Tate Johnson is likely out for the season, um, an elbow injury. It says six to eight weeks, but could potentially be the entirety of season. So Jaleel Irvin is going to have to step in and, and, you know, fill that void at center, which was already a void left by Nick Brahms. But the offensive line is, 
nothing is going to get done if that offensive line doesn't step up first. It has to gel so much better and be so much more effective. And then, of course, the quarterback situation. Robbie Ashford got his first start this past week. He was 12 of 18 passes for 127 yards. He ran for 46 yards and a touchdown on 15 carries. But um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of rhythm, Jay. There doesn't seem to be much of a, a, a methodical approach to this offense. And I think even some of the play calling is confusing. So one thing I will say, Coy Moore kind of was a bright spot this week. And you have been saying like, you're ready for him to kind of find his own 74 yards, including the three longest plays of the game. were all Coy Moore. So there are pieces here that are just waiting for that opportunity. I get that. But what is lacking right now on the offensive side? What is preventing it from feeling like there's even a purpose to the madness? Ooh, that's the honest truth. When you think about this game, you know, our defense, like you said, really, really played an outstanding game. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we gave us some rush yards in the second half, but we kind of been, but we didn't break. And, you know, if you want to take it back to the Penn State second half game, that's where our defense got wore down and they feel like they just gave up what it looked like. And then you look like in this game, they didn't give up. They played all the way down to the last second. And even on that on the fumble that Pete had from Missouri going to the end zone, if Keontae Scott is not hustling his butt off right there to, to kind of mm-hmm. force that play, he walks into the end zone and it's game over. But because he continued to hustle, and it wasn't the hit that caused the fumble, but it was his presence right before the hit that caused the guy to try to switch the hands to put the ball in the end zone and, and created a fumble. So that's something that they need to show on film all week. Like the hustle can create opportunities. And then for this offense, everything starts up front. If you can't get five guys in the offensive line that can work together and that can push guys off the line of scrimmage, our running backs are getting hit in the backfield before they can even get going. Yep. You should not be getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. You should at least have an opportunity to get a yard deep or get to the line of scrimmage and be able to make a cut. Sometimes they're getting hit before they can even even sniff the line of scrimmage, and you can't have that. And then from an offensive standpoint, when it comes to the passing game, I don't even know what kind of passing game we're trying to do right now. Right. And I'm just looking at our talent. I'm like, guys, we have a 6'5 Camden Brown. I've heard outstanding things about all – all off season, all training camp, we throw him shallow crossing routes mm-hmm. and we throw a go ball to Shanker. I like, why are you not throwing a go ball to Landon King and Camden Brown and these guys that can go up and high point the ball to the six five? I was just like, not Shanker, you're tight end on a go route. And then we throw a reverse to Shanker on the reverse. I'm just like, we have Javarius Johnson, one of the fastest guys in the SEC. He's been targeted. He's one of the top five receivers in the whole of SEC coming into the game. We targeted him one time. Yep. Like, so I'm just like, we have talent. So all the people, oh, we don't have talent at the receiver position. No, we have talent at the receiver position. I've had a chance to see it. Like, Mm -hmm. we have guys. They just need more opportunities to get involved in the game. And I can't just say, oh, is it just all the coaching? Because the simple thing it comes down to is trust. I don't yeah. think they have enough trust in the quarterbacks to call these plays. And and the reason why is because I understand the first two games, we was a turnover machine. 
and we had some bad interceptions. Yeah. But like I said, sometimes you're going to have some of those until these kids can build some confidence, until you can get to the film room and be able to work on those things. But you cannot let it scare you, especially when you feel like your back is against the wall. Let it scare you from at least dialing up these plays. One thing we know Robbie's going to do is scramble. Mm-hmm. And but the other aspect we need him to do is be able to sit in the pocket when he do have some time and deliver some of those passes and everything. But you got to dial them up. You can't only dial up. We ran the ball out of 19 first downs. We ran, I believe, 16 times, I believe, on first down. Wow. You have got to mix it up on first down because that's when you get most of the defense's base defense. That's when uh-huh. you get base coverages and not get certain blitz looks. And that's when you have a chance if you – to hit a play action pass and hit some of these other things. We got to get that eighth man out of the box to be able to respect our passing game. I don't care if you got one-on-one on the outside. If he looks like he's covered and I got a six-five receiver, Landon King made a great catch in the Penn State game going up and mm-hmm. high point the ball. We didn't do it again. Right. So put these guys outside, throw the ball up to them. At worst, you may get us a pass interference on the defense, but I guarantee you these guys can go up and try to high point the ball. Like it's a one-on-one play. Give them a chance. So – Coaches got to schematically come up with some different things to get guys open in space, get guys the opportunity to run out the catch, um, give guys a chance to just make some plays and, and to get these eight-man boxes out of there because on first down, we got to start throwing the ball on first down. And, mm-hmm. and if we don't start doing that, like you said, we hadn't even faced the best defenses yet. Nope. Penn State was just a little bit of a shadow of what LSU and – and Georgia, Georgia and Arkansas right. and, you know, some of these other teams we have coming down the schedule. So we have got to become more creative than uh-huh. what we're doing. I totally agree. I was actually looking at some of the offensive numbers and they're difficult. I mean, like Auburn's 3.29 yards per play against Missouri. It was the program's fewest in a win since the Cotton Bowl against Nebraska in 2006. Like, it's been a long time since you've seen numbers like that in a win. The Tigers have been an average rushing offense, ranking 57th nationally, 10th in the SEC, averaging 174 yards per game, and they're 73rd in yards per carry, and that's been the strength so far. And so, like, even the strength of our offense is not strong in the landscape of college football or the SEC. So we're committing to this thing, but we're not even seeing the fruits of that labor. So it's it's confusing where that refusal to expound on some of your offensive weapons is. I think you're dead on. It's got to be a, a trust thing. But how has that not been developed in, uh, up until now? I mean, we're on week five of season. Like if it's mm-hmm. if it hadn't happened by now, I don't know what they think is going to happen down the stretch that will change that. Auburn ranks 100th or worse in passing offense, passing efficiency, scoring offense, sacks allowed, and third down efficiency. I am confused the lack of footing on the offensive side of the ball. Now, have we had more time to lay the foundation defensively? Yes. Auburn has been building this kind of defense for a long time, and you've got guys that have been in there for a long time learning under some legends like Derek Brown and guys like that who have been there. Okay, I get that. This Auburn offense has been in flux for a long time. You know, you had the Bo Nix era and and Gus Malzahn, and, and that doesn't happen overnight. I get that. 
but we it feels like there's been such a far regression without a plan of progression i'm okay if we have to see some slide back or some you know a, a bit of a, a plateau for a little bit offensively if there is some sort of glimmer you see week to week of okay but we see what they're trying to do we see what they're getting at we see you know that they see the talent and they're going to get them involved I don't see any of that. And so that's where the confusion comes in and where you start hitting the panic button a little bit. I think people have been hitting the panic button before now, but this win did not give anyone any sort of calm or confidence to the concern that was present after the Penn State loss. What it's shown us is that we got to go out and we got to recruit as hard as we ever have. Because yeah. when you look at some of these other schools that we're playing against, some of it is just a talent level up mm -hmm. front and yeah. we've been fussing about this for four or five years now yeah uh you know 2017 probably was the last time we had a legit offensive line that carried us uh that season all the way to the sec championship game we had to play georgia twice in two weeks uh but outside of that over the last couple of years this has been a pretty much uh you know there were some improvements in 19 and, and a little bit in 20 but it's like the wheels not are falling consistent. off. Yeah, not consistently. You know, yeah. it's not consistent. We really hadn't had consistent quarterback play, you know, since since that time as well. You know, right. like Bo had his moments where, you know, he'd be really good for a couple of games and then he'd be, you know, down a couple of games and then, you know, you just didn't know. Like yeah. week in and week out, which one you was going to get. And I think, you know, now in the quarterback situation, they're still trying to figure out, like, who's the guy? The reason you yeah. start rotating guys in when the season first started is because you didn't know who the guy was. Right. And you was trying to figure it out during the season. And if you want to do that, that's fine. But you need to get guys full series. I already told you, you pull a guy out within the series, they're losing momentum. They're losing traction. And then the offensive line is, is has no chemistry because they don't know who's in, who's out. But so you got to have a plan when you're doing these things, if that's what you want to do. And then we're thinking about Calzada supposed to get a shot. And all of a sudden we find out he's having season in the surgery, yep. you know, and then I don't even know if that was communicated properly, you know? So, you know, it's just a whole lot of things that seems like that need to get ironed in. And, uh, and it just all starts with just everybody just got to, I don't know, like we got to do something offensively because our defense cannot carry this team throughout the whole season and not start to wear down because right. people are just going to line up and run the ball against us. If they get ahead yeah. and get a lead, they don't have to throw the ball as much. So now they're just going to line up and just go down the hill at us. And we got to hit that every single play. Guys are going to wear down. So our defense yeah. is going to have to create more turnovers and they're going to have to get their hands on some balls and get off the fields on third downs. But this offense has got to give them some help because you can't, you're not playing Missouri every week. The defensive line did perform much better this week. They had four sacks, which was a season high, two for Derek Hall, and then one each for Colby Wooden and Eculiota, guys who have really been consistent this season. Um, like you've mentioned, Derek Hall with the season's first takeaway, a first quarter interception after a pass breakup by Nehemiah Pritchett. Um, and Owen Papo led the team with eight tackles on the day, seven of those solo stops. And then Cam Riley had four tackles. The defense limited Missouri to just 55 rushing yards and forced three and outs on five of Missouri's seven possessions into the second quarter or second half. So it, a lot of, of credit to the defense and, and hats off to what they were able to do. You certainly are going to need that moving forward, even in this LSU game, but 
I think, you know, offensively, so much ground has to be covered pretty much immediately, which is, you know, a bit worrisome because you felt like the way the season was set up, those bumps and bruises and and wrinkles to iron needed to be done, you know, these first three, four weeks of season from here, it's pedal to the metal and, and it's going to be all hands on deck. I mean, you've got a gauntlet of SEC road games ahead. So in terms of the offensive line, again, 82 rushing yards this week, which was actually worse than last week versus Penn State. And they allowed four sacks and 12 tackles for loss. So I wanted to ask you, given the current status of the quarterback position, and I guess an update on that. So Robbie Ashford got the start. We did see Holden Garner come in briefly. I would love for you to speak on that. I didn't really see much. I know he didn't necessarily have ample opportunities to show out, but he did essentially make his debut. Will we see him again? It is quite possible because like you said, Zach Calzada has decided to, you know, pursue a medical red shirt and is not going to play the rest of season. Coach Harson has said that TJ is going to practice this week. So the depth chart has not changed as of right now. Robbie is still listed at one with Holden or TJ listed at two. It, that could certainly change and we could end up with TJ starting. I have no flipping clue, but it doesn't rule out that TJ is back to a health point where he could play so all three of those guys in the mix with Zach no no longer part of the conversation for this season at least I wanted you to talk on the quarterback situation and specifically you know we've got two guys this week who saw playing time neither of which had started in a collegiate football game. This was Robbie Ashford's first start. He never started a game at Oregon and he had yet to start for us. And then Holden's a true freshman. So it was his first time out there on a college stage. And you've got a line that's, you know, giving up four sacks, 12 tackles for a loss. You're, you're constantly under duress. Just talk a little bit about, you know, the implications of, you know, difficult off offensive line play when you don't have established quarterbacks. Yeah, that's the one thing. Uh, if you had an established quarterback and you're dealing with with bad offensive line play, you can kind of help the guys out a little bit by a quick passing game, you know, like finding your check downs a little bit sooner. Um, just kind of knowing like what some of their strengths or some of their weaknesses and and the other part of it is too, sometimes it doesn't matter who's back there if you're getting hit as soon as often as these guys are getting hit. But when there are times to throw the ball, I think these guys become a little bit gun shy because they get hit so often. But at the same time, you still have to plant your foot in the background and deliver the football when you need to. Because seven out of ten times when you're in a passing situation, three times max, you may have a pretty pocket. Other than that, no matter where you're playing, you're usually going to have to slide or move or move up in the pocket or throw the ball when somebody's coming down a barrel to hit you right in the chest. And that's just playing SEC football, SEC quarterback, NFL quarterback, that's typically how it is. And the thing about it, when you're having offensive line play that's struggling and then you're having inexperience at the quarterback position, it can look a little bit wild sometimes. And it can cause a lot of a lot of lack of trust. Uh, just because you're trying to learn on the on the fly. You're trying to figure out what are these guys' best ability, how how can they do certain things and um, what's their strengths, what their weaknesses, and you don't know until they're in that situation. Uh, the thing about it, I think they were leaning more on TJ because he has the most experience out of, all, out of everybody, you know, outside of Calzada, which we know he's now done for the season. 
but TJ is the guy that has the most experience. I think they were leaning heavily on TJ, but then when TJ started to have some bad turnovers on some interceptions and then kind of being a little bit careless with the ball sometimes in the pocket when the pocket is collapsing, having one hand on it, he need to go ahead and put two hands on the ball. I think they're in a situation where they're like, okay, if he's turned the ball over and he's supposed to be our most veteran guy, then, okay, now we turn to these younger guys and we're trying to figure out what they can do really well. We know Robbie can run, but can we get him into some passing situation? Can he deliver a ball past 10 yards, you know, in an accurate space? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Holden Gurner, he looked like a true freshman when he got in there. Yeah. Then a kid that hasn't had a lot of reps with the ones in practice. And you can tell, you know, he's going to need some grooming. You know, he needs reps first and foremost. So it's just, we're just in a place right now that's just, it's just hard to say because I really haven't seen this in a long time. Yeah. You know, as far as like, you usually have somebody in there that can kind of hold it while a young kid is trying to develop. Mm-hmm. But right now we're really learning everything on the fly. Mm-hmm. And this is really going to be that type of season where we're going to see like at the end of the season, like did these guys grow, did they grow enough to where you can see progress to say, okay, this may be the guy, right. you know, like, it's going to be a one game at a time and our schedule is coming up as a gauntlet schedule and it's going, it's going to show us a lot. So what do you anticipate happens this week? Do you think Robbie gets the start again? Yeah, I think Robbie gets the start. Um, like I said, he, you know, they won the game. Um, they get another home game against LSU. Who's also struggling a little bit of quarterback position, but I think Daniels is actually coming along more as a passer. The more I continue mm-hmm. to watch him, mm-hmm. he's gotten better over the last couple of weeks. And, but I just think Robbie's going to start and he's probably going to play a lot. If TJ is healthy enough to play, I think in passing situations, you'll probably see TJ roll into the game in some of those passing situations that they don't feel comfortable with letting Robbie uh, have at this moment. So I definitely think that's probably going to happen. I don't see TJ sitting out of this game. I, I actually see him probably playing some in this game as well. I just don't want to see them do the same rotation that they did those first couple of weeks. Give these kids some chance to get into a rhythm and whoever gets hot or whatever, and you say, hey, this is his game. Roll with him. This is a, a pivotal, pivotal week. It's a night game. It's another SEC game at home. Auburn is fortunate enough that they get first five games at home because the other thing, we haven't seen these quarterbacks on the road and this offensive line on the road in a hostile environment. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so these are all been home games. So hopefully we get some momentum going in this game before we go to Georgia in a hostile environment. Oh, Lord. Yeah, that's a good point. I haven't really thought about that. So as we look ahead to LSU heading to Jordan-Hare this week, uh, you kind of have to prepare for a team that seems to have found their rhythm. Obviously, they started out with a very discouraging and heartbreaking loss to Florida State, really just a missed extra point away from potentially winning that one. So you never know with a new coach. And you and I talked about that game and how it seemed like there was a lot of division uh, amongst that team. And and how were they really going to put it back together? Well, it seems they have. They are now three and one, that uh, being their only loss to the season. They defeated Southern New Mexico, but the biggest win against Mississippi State, who really had kind of become one of the favorites to be second in the SEC West behind Alabama. So, you know, coming up with that win was huge. And you mentioned their 
quarterback Daniels has has really kind of found his rhythm as well one of his most efficient games actually coming this past weekend completing 24 of 29 passes for 279 yards now he did leave early with an injury he scrambled for 16 yards on a fourth down play kind of took a big hit and and didn't return but Brian Kelly said that he he strained his lower back he could have gone back in but there was no need but he's been cleared by doctors and is good to go so you expect that we're going to see him this week. And they will also have the return of wide receiver Kayshawn Booty, who actually missed this last game because of the birth of his child. But he is going to be back this week. So <laughs> lucky us, all hands on deck for LSU. And they will be back at full regime as they head into Auburn. Brian Kelly's first outing in Jordan Hare as the head coach of the LSU Tigers, something I'm still not used to seeing, but nonetheless. It does feel like they are kind of finding their rhythm, their footing, their identity. This is a team that always comes in with high energy. It's a team that flies around to the ball. They they challenge you. They contest you. And Brian Kelly is, is a very uh, reputable football mind. I mean, there's a reason that he's been where he's been and done what he's done. And, and you have to expect that the longer he's at the helm, those guys start taking on his football knowledge as well. So... Obviously, the big win in Baton Rouge last year, and hopefully we can continue on that trajectory. We're not going to be able to wave the magic wand, and all of a sudden we're going to become explosive passing game this week. Uh, no. You know, LSU defense is, is like you said, ranked 11th nationally, mm -hmm. and they have some elite players on that side of the ball. Their secondary is always – uh, always a really good secondary, right? And their receivers now, you almost call them wide receiver, you, yeah, man. Well. But you know, you know, in time with Coach Kelly, that things will start to get better. Mm -hmm. And you know, they gave him a 10 year contract, so there's no speculations like they know exactly this is the progress that they're that it's going to take a little time in our situation because previous years has not been our best and and we've struggled it makes everything a lot more pressurized and you know what burst pipes pressure pipes they end up busting mm -hmm. and that's what i see with our football team is there's always so much noise around the program right now is the fact that it's hard for them to seem like to just focus on football you know what i'm saying like lsu gets to focus on auburn this week Hopefully, Auburn players are strong enough and mature enough and to block out a lot of the noise that outside, you know, has to say. And hopefully the coaches, you know, are being honest with themselves, looking at the film and saying, hey, we got to do a better job putting our guys in situation to be mm -hmm. successful. And we're not doing that right now. And we need to do that better, especially offensively. So this is a game that's very, very pivotal. If you're Auburn and you win this game, there's going to be big-time recruits in the stands this weekend. Mm -hmm. And I always tell recruits, don't base things off what you're seeing per se because I always look at yourself as the guy that can come in and change the things. You know, when I came to Auburn and my group, we all came to Auburn. Auburn was 3-8 and eight the year before and was 5-7 and seven that year before I even signed at Auburn. And before Ronnie and all of us even got together at Auburn, decided we was going to come. So we were able to come and we helped change the narrative. So look at Auburn as a great place to have an opportunity that people love football. They, it's a family atmosphere. And 
you know, you can come and be someone to change the narrative. But if you get caught up into all the things and all the changes, because I always tell guys, let's just be honest. It doesn't matter if you have a position coach. Your position coach is not trying to stay a position coach. He's trying to be a coordinator one day. So you may go through some change, but you look at. So from this standpoint, though, you do need some excitement around your program to entice young kids. And this is the thing I'm saying. We can't go out there and look like Penn State in the second half in this mm-hmm. ball game because it can do a lot more damage to us than LSU coming in here if they lost to us or if LSU beat us. You know, like sometimes it's how you win and how you lose. And if we show up this Saturday and we play hard-nosed football and we grind this thing out and you're able to pull out a victory – you looking at yourself like, man, we're four and one mm-hmm. and we hadn't even scratched the surface yet of being a football team that looks like an Auburn football team. Right. And but if you go out there, you get pounced on mm-hmm. the noise gets louder. And the only way you can control the noise is about what you do between those lines and in between Jordan Hare on a Saturday. When you get a chance to come together as players and coaches and be on that sideline and you go out there and you grind it out together, that's the only way to change the narrative. Otherwise, it's just hard. We live in a world, we live in a day and time where people want results. Mm-hmm. You know, if you going well, I would say NFL players, you're gonna ask for the money, you better be ready to receive what you going what people expect. Yeah. So it's the same way in college, like we all expect more from the program. So people just want more. People just talk from frustration, which is fine. You know, people pay money and come to the games. They, they're there to support and everything. And people just want to see, it, it's not a matter of, people just want to see is there progress being made? Yeah. If people see progress being made, they can live with that. They can say, okay, we can live with that. Cause we see we're not what we want to be, but we do see progress yes. moving in the right direction. Right. I know I took a long time to get to that point, but no, right. no. And it's so valid. And that's kind of what I was getting at at the beginning with this one from a moral perspective, not really feeling like a win, because when you look at a lot of it, there were steps backwards this week after the Penn State game. And your response to a loss says a lot about who you are as a team. And so that was a little bit frustrating, but there's still a lot of season to go and a lot of high profile opportunities to change the narrative. And look, let, we all know what the narrative is right now. And it's, it's all surrounding this, this coach and, and his current status. And if we had lost, would he have been out? If he is out, when will they do it? When he's out, who's next? You know, those are the only conversations happening in season. And I would love to get your input because I know you did go through a a good bit of coaching changes and and you played for a long time. And so I can imagine that you've been a part of teams on any level, I I would guess, that there is outside noise that you're having to deal with. But this one, this has been different. It, It feels like it to me. This one has been one of the most public and with no one is is sugarcoating this no one is you know tiptoeing around the subject like it is out there and it is all anyone's talking about and it feels like everything that this team does fuels the fire of that conversation and so I'm curious from a player perspective 
I I get coach speak all the time. You have to block out the outside noise. Well, how the heck do you do that when the noise is yeah. deafening? Like this is at a different level and it right. does feel like the writing's on the wall and you somehow have to focus on improving your game, which clearly has some inadequacies to it. And everything that you do say, think, breathe uh, affects another man's livelihood. Like how, how do you manage Oh, yeah, that's a great, great question. Uh, from a player perspective, it is tough uh, yeah. because these kids are 18 or 22 year olds and they're just trying to get out here and play the game and, and everything. But also it's tougher because this all started back in what well, end of January and then it went on for a couple of months and then it kind of went away for for a little bit over the summer. And then all of a sudden it gets back to the season and it gets railed up again where every game is almost a must-win situation. Mm-hmm. And you're playing with so much pressure. That's why I almost wish that they would just say, hey, because because of this, because anybody that you really, really want, no matter what happens, you can't really get them to next year right. after the season. You know, and then we haven't even hired our AD yet. You know, we have an interim AD right now. We don't know if they're going to move him to permanent. We don't know if they're going to bring in somebody else. So that person has to also be allowed the opportunity to see what they want to see. Right. Or bring in who they want to, right, or bring in who they want to hire. So I just wish we would sometimes just kind of pump the brakes on the noise and just say, hey, we will reevaluate everything at the end of the season. That way you kind of take the pressure off the kids. You kind of take the pressure off the coaches because it's not just coach Harson is coaching. Mm-hmm. You got to think about all these assistant coaches. Coach Harson gets a big buyout. You know, he gets a major buyout. These assistant coaches don't get no huge buyouts. Mm-hmm. So they have families just like everybody else. It's been talked about for so long. And it does weigh on the players in a way. And it weighs on assistant coaches in a way. Because let's be honest, if you fire Coach Harson today, who's going to step up into the head coaching role? Because no one on the staff right now has had head coaching experience. Yeah, We understand there's a lot of noise around the program. We are in an evaluation process. We should be in an evaluation process. You should always feel like you're in an evaluation process. We are a major university that wants to win in a major program. So, but you can come out and just say, hey, we're going to let the season take place. And at the end of the season, we will evaluate where we see our program moving forward. Yeah. From that standpoint, I've only in this situation one time with Tuberville. Mm-hmm. And, but it was at the end of the season, kind of like, and, and everything. But we ended up winning the rest of our games and having an off season and, guys focus in we end up having an undefeated season he ended up staying four more years and, and everything they ended up going 11 and 2 the year after we went 13 and 0 you know so they still had another great year after that because you can't worry about all these things you can't control i don't care if you have a coach that's there that year that's been a great coach and everything else who to say somebody else don't come in there and try to hire him say if they win the rest of the season and all the talk go away who to say some coach some team out west don't come in here and offer coach harson a, a big time deal to come coach out west yeah, like he can have the option. He can just say, "Hey guys, I want to go be back closer to home." That's Boom, true. he can go. So he'll be gone anyways at that point. So then yeah, already. So that's what I'm saying. Control things you can control. Stop trying to control things you can't because position coaches, 
I had a different coach every year as an offense coordinator at Auburn. Yeah. And I was still blessed to be SEC player of the year. I was blessed to be a high draft pick. I was blessed to play a long time in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Had I just been focused on the coach and not focused on my craft, I wouldn't have been able to do that because every time something happened, I'd been caught up into what's happening instead of caught up into the bigger picture. So true. You live life and life comes at you. And there are changes that's going to come sometimes. It's going to feel uncomfortable. And sometimes you got to roll with that uncomfortableness and then Sooner or later, you'll see why certain things happen or you'll see like, hey, I grew through that situation. I became yeah. a better person through that situation. But if you want things always to be comfortable or always feel good or always feel like you, you're going to always stay behind. Yeah. So I always tell guys, stop focusing on that stuff, man. Focus on your crowd. Focus on you getting better. If yeah. a change happens, it happens. If it don't, it don't. Like, but maneuver because that's the NFL change happens without the, throughout the season, your locker room look different from when yeah. it starts to the end of the year. So that's life. But you know, that's just my two cents. I knew you'd have a good take on that. I knew you would, but you're so right. And I hope that it, it goes back to what I was saying last year. I think or last year it feels like a year last week. We all need to be concerned with what's good for Auburn and what's good for Auburn. You just have to hope it's going to work itself out. My hope is just that the guys are able to still enjoy this season. I thought about that when I saw the video of Tank giving, you know, the headphones to the guys and I'm like, college goes by so freaking fast. Like, it, and some <laughs> of these guys won't even go four years, you know, like right. some of them or it's going to be a blink of an eye and they're going to be gone. And I don't want any of them to feel like they wasted their experience on Auburn because that's Auburn is, is not a coach. Auburn is not one player. Auburn is a place and a group and an experience. And I don't want any of them to be robbed of that just because of all of this external drama. So that's something that I think we need to keep at the forefront. Can we objectively discuss what happens on the football field and point out when things are not up to par, which is certainly the case right now? Absolutely. But in terms of, of beating down people and character and hoping for bad things for people, I will never subscribe to that. So nonetheless, we'll get another opportunity at this thing this week. It is a six o'clock central kickoff in Jordan Hare. LSU comes to town, so it'll be a fun night game. Let's put that uh, LED light show to good use, and hopefully we can get a solid dub this week before they hit the road for the first time next week. So I think that's going to do it for us this week on Believe in Everything Auburn. As always, thank you so much for listening and following along to our show. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. I know I say it every week, but it really does help us. If you subscribe, you don't get blown up. We're not going to email you or anything like that. You just get a tiny little notification whenever an episode pops up and then it goes away. It's real harmless. Um, so do that if you haven't already. Whenever our, our tweets and Instagrams come out, make sure to share them and we'll keep chunking out these episodes as season goes on. So thanks for hanging with us, everybody. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the game. And until we talk again, War Eagle. War Eagle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.